It's the 16th of December in the year of our salvation, 2008, and this is Father Z with another podcast. In the last two podcasts, we explored two of the hymns for Advent used in the Liturgia Orarum, or Liturgy of the Hours, the Church's official prayer. All clerics and most religious and consecrated persons are bound to recite the Liturgy of the Hours daily. It used to be called the Breviarium, the Breviary. It's called the Office because it is connected with a Latin word for duty. Well, today we're going to drill into another Advent hymn, the Vox Clara, used at morning prayer. Those of you who pay attention to the blog, wdtprs.com, what does the prayer really say, probably know already that the Holy See set up a committee to sort of ride shotgun on the English translation process, and that committee is called Vox Clara, a clear voice. But did you know that Vox Clara is also a hymn in the Liturgy of the Hours, and it's used at Lauds during Advent? Now, this hymn was probably written in the 6th century, uh, though we really don't know exactly when or who wrote it. And there's a great deal of depth in it. And I think in order to really break this thing open and get at the marrow of it, we should just hear the text first in Latin, and I'll interlace each strophe with my own super literal kind of clunky translation, and then we'll hear some more poetic translations down the line. But we need to get into this first and find out what it sounds like. Now, our hymn is organized in strophes with lines that are in iambic tetrameter. That means there are four feet in the meter, and the feet are iams, which means that we have a short syllable and a long syllable, or an unstressed syllable followed by a stressed syllable. In ancient Latin poetry, they would go by the length of time it took to pronounce syllables, and some of that still functions in these hymns, but now we, by the time we've gotten on into the late uh, antiquity, early Middle Ages, uh, usually poetry has shifted to stress rather than length, though there's still a little bit of that. So sometimes we're going to have feet in which the stress of the word matches up with the stress of the meter, and sometimes not. And I've talked in the other podcasts I've done on these Advent hymns about the difference of homodyne and heterodyne feet, and you can uh, go back and listen to those podcasts in order to get the skinny. But uh, now let's hear the Latin and the English interspersed. Vox clara ecce intonat, obscura queque increpat, procul fulgentur somnia, abetre Christus promicat. Hark, a clear voice is thundering, and it loudly rebukes whatever is shady. Dreams are being put far to flight. Christ is gleaming or springing forth from heaven. Mens jam re surgat torpida, 
Quae sorde extat saucia. Sidus refulget iam novum, ut tollat omne noxium. Now the benumbed mind rises again, which stands over wounded baseness. Now heaven shines forth something new, that it may do away with every injurious thing. E sursum agnus mititur, laxare gratis debitum, omnes pro indulgentia, vocem demus cum lacrimis. The Lamb is sent from on high, freely to unloose what was owed. Let us all raise our voice with tears for this remission. Secundo utcum fulserit, mundumque horror cinxerit. Non pro reatu puniat, sed nos pius tunc protegat. So that at the second coming, when he will shine and dread will gird the world, he will punish us not for sin, but merciful will then protect us. Sumo parenti gloria, natoque sit victoria, et flamini laus debita, per seculorum secula. Amen. To the Father Most High, let there be glory, let there be victory for the Son. Due praise, let there be to the Spirit, world without end. Amen. Now that was a, you know, really kind of a literal and super clunky translation. Just to get us into our Latin text, there are more poetic versions that we can dig into. For example, um, here's one uh, which I found. A thrilling voice by Jordan rings, rebuking guilt and darksome things. Vain dreams of sin and visions fly. Christ in his might shines forth on high. Now let each torpid soul arise that sunken guilt and wounded lies. See, the new star's refulgent ray shall chase disease and sin away. The Lamb descends from heaven above to pardon sin with freest love. For such indulgent mercy shown with tearful joy our thanks we own that when again he shines revealed and trembling worlds to terror yield he give not sin its just reward but in his love protect and guard to the most high parent glory be and to the son be victory and to the spirit praise is owed from age to age eternally amen Buscará este indonado su racueque e increpa. Pelanturen nos omnia, avedre Christus promica. Mensiam resurgat turpida, que sorde extat saucia. Sidus refulget iam novum, ut tolat omne noxium. Esum sunagnus mititur, laxare gratis debitum. Omnes pro indulgentia, 
ofendemos con lágrimas. Segundo ut cum fulcerit, mundum que horror fincerit, non pro reat serpius tum nos protegat. Presta vale bisime, Now, as you can tell, there is a strong eschatological sense to this hymn. Of course, we're using it in our time of Advent preparation when we are about to celebrate the coming, the first coming, of the Word made flesh at Bethlehem as a tiny infant. But we all know that Advent has a lot more to do with uh, the eschatological return of the Lord. That is, at the end of the world in his second coming, than it really does with the first coming. Of course, um, it's sometimes hard for us to remember that in this modern time when we were so focused on Christmas. But uh, truly, Advent is a preparation for the end of the world and for our judgment. And so, uh, our hymn today, uh, in its eschatological Advent spirit, is uh, to a certain extent a summary of a couple of different points in Scripture. Some of the research I did indicated that Romans 13, 11 to 14, uh, could be involved in this. Let's hear what Paul has to say to the Romans in chapter 13, verses 11 to 14. And that knowing the season, that it is now the hour for us to rise from sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than we believed. The night is past, and the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and impurities, not in contention and envy. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh in its concupiscences. Well, that was Paul to the Romans in chapter 13. Another point uh, that this summarizes is found in the Gospel according to Luke in chapter 21, verses 25 to 33. Let's hear that. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars, and upon the earth distress of nations, by reason of the confusion of the roaring of the sea and of the waves, men withering away for fear and expectation of what shall come upon the whole world, for the powers of heaven shall be moved. And then they shall see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with great power and majesty. But when these things begin to come to pass, look up and lift up your heads, because your redemption is at hand. And he spoke to them a similitude, 
see the fig tree and all the trees. When they now shoot forth their fruit, you know that summer is nigh. So you also, when you shall see these things come to pass, know that the kingdom of God is at hand. Amen, I say to you, this generation shall not pass away till all things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. So you can hear both in that section from Romans and that section from Luke, the strong moral message tied to the eschatological message. That is, we are going to be judged. And so our comportment here in this veil of tears as we await the coming of the Lord must be upright and conformed to the one who offers us membership in the kingdom because he is going to come. Now, as with the case of the other hymns that we've been drilling into, the Vox Clara was reworked in the 17th century at the time of Pope Urban VIII. That's the Barberini Pope. He's the one with the little bees on his coat of arms. Well, it was reworked uh, with a more classical style in mind and uh, not with very happy results, according at least to my opinion. Um, but uh, this is the version that wound up in the Breviarium Romanum for so many centuries, and which is still used now by those clerics and religious who continue to use the Roman Breviary, especially now that it's been freed up by His Holiness Pope Benedict XVI with Summorum Pontificum. So we should have a look at the changes, just so that you can uh, both see, uh, or he rather hear in, in the text, and also the melody, what differences there might be. Now I have in my hands a wonderful book, uh, sent to me recently by a reader of the blog. It's called Hymns of the Roman Liturgy by Joseph Connolly. It's been republished by the Priestly Fraternity of St. Peter. And, uh, of course, in here you find the version of Vox Clara that was in the Roman Breviary. And uh, so uh, let's hear the, uh, the text. And, uh, well, let's first hear the translation in English that Connolly provides. The Baptist's message of rebuke rings loud and clear through all the world of darkness. Away with dreams of darkness. Jesus, the light, is shining in the sky. Let the slothful soul now arise and no longer lie earthbound, for a new sun is now shining, Christ, who will take away every sin. Behold, the Lamb is sent to us to, pray, to pay freely the debt we owe. Therefore, let all of us, together with tears of sorrow, ask for his pardon, so that when he comes in glory at the end of time, and causes fear in all hearts, he will not then punish us as our sins deserve, but in his pity be our protector. 
Now, there are all sorts of differences in the Latin uh, between the uh, the reworked version from the 17th century and the more ancient version, which was restored. Uh, for example, uh, just in the old, in the more ancient version, we hear vox clara ecce intonat, and in the newer 17th century version, we hear en clara vox redarguit. So it's really quite different. Uh, let's hear the two strophes. Vox clara ecce intonat, obscura queque increpat, procul fulgentur omnia ab etre Christus promicat. Now the 17th century version is En clara vox redarguit, obscura queque personans, procul fulgentur somnia. Ab alto Jesus probicat. So there are quite a few differences there. Now let's dig into this 17th century version that's in the Breviarium Romanum, the En Clara Vox Re Darguit. Uh, let's pry it open first of all with a poetic version, poetical version. Hark, a thrilling voice is sounding. Christ is nigh, it seems to say. Cast away the works of darkness, O ye children of the day. Wakened by the solemn warning, let the earth-bound soul arise. Christ her Son, all sloth dispelling, shines upon the morning skies. Lo, the Lamb, so long expected, comes with pardon down from heaven. Let us all, with tears of sorrow, pray that we may be forgiven. That when next he comes with glory, and the world is wrapped in fear, with his mercy he may shield us, and with words of love draw near. Honor, glory, might, and blessing to the Father and the Son, with the everlasting Spirit, while eternal ages run. Now that poetic version that we just heard is actually the text of a hymn, Hark! A Thrilling Voice is Sounding, which uh, words are by Edward Caswall, who died in 1878. It's a hymn that's made its way into many Catholic and Protestant hymnals. I know the Lutherans sing it also. And it's set uh, to, uh, sung to a tune that's often identified as Merton in hymnology. And so we will hear this really quite often in our churches during Advent.
Now, there aren't just, uh, you know, big, uh, you know, church hymnal, uh, congregational singing versions of this hymn out there, Hark, a Thrilling Voice is Sounding. Uh, there are also uh, some more, shall we say, um, uh, popularized versions. Here's one version which I pulled off the internet by a fellow named Trip Fuller. Hark, a Here's a wonderful rendering of the N. Claravox Redarguit, done by Venerable John Henry Newman. Hark, a joyful voice is thrilling, and each dim and winding way of the ancient temple filling. Dreams depart, for it is day. Christ is coming, from thy bed earth-bound soul awake and spring, with the sun new-risen to shed health on human suffering. Lo, to grant a pardon free comes a willing lamb from heaven. Sad and tearful hasten we, one and all, to be forgiven. Once again he comes in light, girding earth with fear and woe. Lord, be thou our loving might from our guilt and ghostly foe. To the Father and the Son and the Spirit, who in heaven ever witness three and one, praise on earth be ever given. Now this theme of awakening Awakening during the, the time of Advent is very, very important, and uh, some beautiful music has been written for it over the centuries. Now, I think you'll probably all know the wonderful cantata by Johann Sebastian Bach called Wachtet auf, ruft uns die Stimme. It's sometimes called Sleepers Awake. And it's done in many different ways. I've heard it done in solo guitar, and I've heard it done in organ and orchestra. And here's a wonderful cello version of it, played by Yo-Yo Ma.
Well, with all this business about sleepers waking and the eschatological meaning of the hymn and Advent and what it's all about, I think we should probably circle back now to our original version, the earlier version, Vox Clara Ecce Intonat, and pry it open theologically. And that means we're going to have to get into some of the uh, the Latin words here. Uh, now, there's some very, very deep thin things happening in the hymn, which uh, you might not be catching uh, in an English version. You know, anytime you have to translate something, you're going to lose a lot of things in the translation. But our Latin vocabulary can... Uh, help us understand really what's going on. Now, there are some technical words in here uh, which uh, get into concepts of ancient rhetoric or oratory. And uh, let's get into the these verses here. For example, the, the first uh, verse of the hymn, uh, with uh, a mind to some alternatives of the meaning of the Latin words, and you can hear what's going on. Now, here's here it is in Latin again. Vox clara ecce intonat, obscura queque increpat, procul fugentur somnia, ab etre Christus promicat. Now, let's hear that done with some uh, different possibilities for the words. Hark! clear, intelligible, glorious voice is thundering. That Clara, Clara can mean clear, intelligible, or glorious. And it loudly rebukes whatever is obscure, unintelligible, ignoble. That's in, those are all possible meanings of the word obscura. Dreams or silly things, that is somnia, are being put to flight afar. Christ is gleaming, springing forth. That's that promicat. Gleaming, springing forth from heaven. So in the first two lines, we have this really interesting play between clara and obscura. And in the case of clara, that can mean, of course, it's being applied to a voice. or And a voice, of course, a vox in Latin, uh, can also be a word, not just a voice, a word. So we have a vox, which is a word, and we're calling it clara, a clear, intelligible, or glorious thing, uh, being contrasted with whatever is obscure or unintelligible or ignoble. And you see, I, what's going on here is that this hymn is describing how the eternal logos, right? The logos, the Greek word meaning uh, word or concept or you know rational thing, rational concept. The eternal logos, who is the word uh, spoken by the Father from all eternity. This is you know light from light, God from God. The eternal logos is making all things clear or intelligible or glorious and it refers to the working this is referring to the working of the rational mind you know think about how uh, today we refer to people who are in the dark right that's what's going on here you know those of you who know dante you know, at the beginning of the divine comedy we find 
the poet is in a dark wood because he's gone off the path. He's strayed from the path of reason. He's in the state of sin, and the state uh, results from confusion, and it produces confusion, too. It, the state of sin that Dante is in, in the dark wood, is an inability to reason properly. And so his whole journey down through the infernal region of hell is an extended metaphor for how he, the poet is recovering the life of reason and therefore recovering the life of grace. It's a resolution to turn it away from the sinful life and embrace reason and virtue and light and clarity in contradistinction to vice and the confusion and lack of understanding that, you know, like characterizes more the brutish life or animal life rather than the life of human. And so this is the concept that is fundamentally functioning in the first verse of the Vox Clara. Vox Clara ecce intonat obscura queque increpat. This contrast between Clara and obscura. Now the second verse when we get into it, it also has a deeper meaning you know, in that really literal version that I was using. Now the benumbed mind rises again, which stands over wounded basement. Now, baseness. Now heaven shines forth something new that it may do away with every injurious thing. Now what's going on here? Now this person awakening from a deep sleep at the sound of a loud voice and because of shining light, you know, it's like bang, we're suddenly awake, like when the shades are drawn and someone is like slapping their hands over you and saying, get up, get up. And in, in, the mo in, in the moment there, you're kind of groggy, right? And this is a person who's waking up, waking up to a reality that is uh, beyond and above baseness. You know, a person who is sunk into baseness is like you're asleep, like the mind isn't working. Now remember that this hymn uh, was sung for that prayer which uh, was in the darkness of the very early morning hours. You know, the monks would arise in the middle of the night and this is what they would sing. And of course we're singing it too at a time when the days of the year are the shortest, at least in the northern hemisphere, they're as short as they can ever be. And uh, so, you know, this this comes out of a time when there wasn't any electricity. They were sung during Advent. And so people are cold and numb, waiting for the days to finally to lengthen, lengthen again. And this is a metaphor for what's going on with a benumbed mind arising. And heaven is going to shine forth something new and do away with everything that's injurious. So, I'll think about how light and reason and clarity and beauty are in this hymn being associated with the voice the vox vox clara now the latin word vox isn't just voice but it means also if you go to your old like trusty copy of a lewis and short dictionary or some of the really good dictionary you'll find that vox also means that which is uttered by the voice in other words, it's a word. A vox is a word. A vox is a saying. A vox is speech itself. It's, it, a vox is a sentence. 
you know a sentence is a is a is a whole concept put together uh, it can also mean proverb or a maxim for example so vox is like verbum which means word in latin of course and as a result of vox in this thing is the glorious voice which is making everything very clear and understood it's thundering from heaven and that means that the vox is the risen christ coming at the world's end he's the one who is going to lay all things bare make all things clear and he's going to resolve everything in a perfect rational uh, exposition and so at the beginning of the day uh, the vox clara is really in a sense it's useful for an examination of conscience isn't it so it, it it becomes pretty clear why most of the time when people start translating the vox clara they pick up uh, very very properly that vox is referring to saint john the baptist who is the voice shouting in the desert, shouting at us during Advent to make straight the path of the Lord who is coming. This is a constant theme of Advent, to make straight the path, to prepare for Christ. In fact, when Christ comes, he is going to come by the straight path. Whether we have taken any time to straighten out the path for him or not, he will do the straightening. His coming as Lord and Judge at the end can be smooth or, alternatively, if we so choose, that coming can be pretty violent if he is the one doing all of the straightening because it will be straightened everything in our lives will be straightened in the twinkling of an eye in a perfect moment of clarity the Lord will lay everything bare no thoughts of our inmost heart will be hidden either from ourselves or of course from him or anyone else in the general judgment so there is a very powerful interplay here in this hymn going on between the vox and the verbum, the precursor and the Messiah, the one who speaks, and the one about whom the speaking is being done. Now, of course, we could dig at this hymn for a very long time, but uh, that's a way of starting to start to pry into it. There's a lot going on in the hymn. So today we've spent some time drilling into the wonderful hymn Vox Clare Ece Intonat. It's a wonderful thing to drill into and have a greater grasp of these beautiful hymns that Holy, Church's ra Holy Church raises to Almighty God year in, year out, century in, century out. There is great depth in them and their beauty reflects 
something of the truth because truth and beauty are inextricably bound together the one expresses the other we use this time of advent as a preparation for the coming of the lord not just for our celebration of christmas and the celebration of the first coming that historical point in time but also for the coming of the lord at the end of the world the second coming of the lord it's important that we use this time to reflect on the lord's coming especially in the church's liturgical prayer and not just the prayer of the office but in the sacred action of holy mass every holy mass in a sense is like an advent preparation isn't it and this is why we have the wonderful uh, theological depth of celebrating holy mass ad orientem versus the church likes to turn to the lord turn and wait for the lord who is coming and so we should all be turned and oriented shall we say to the liturgical east priest and people facing the same direction together all of us facing toward the altar where the crucifix is all oriented toward the one who is coming to us that is the wonderful symbolism of priest and people facing the same direction during holy mass our wonderful prayers of holy church have great meaning great theological depth and it's important for us with great faith to seek deeper understanding of all that we pray so that we can understand who we are with that i'll wrap up this podcast this is father john zolsdorf signing out please pray for me as i will for you